0: Good morning, everybody. Okay, uh, we'll, let's kick off with a discussion question.
1: Uh,
0: what? Uh, may, maybe to put, not to put pressure on those of you who try to quantify it somehow. What's the most spiritually formative event experience thing that you can think of? In your life. What's one of them? In the short list, what's one of them? Not living in the United States. Okay. Uh, Tell us more. What about not living in the United States? What's formative spiritually?
2: It's lonely. You realize, like, you're kind of humble, like, trying to open a bank account like we're Americans it's fine and they just look at you like you're American, and they don't pay chickens I mean it's just like you're just and you kind of realize like God's still here outside of American Christianity hmm. and I feel like he's stripped away things but we're getting in the way
0: good that's great thank you who else what else
2: marriage and children. Mm-hmm. As a single person, I just really thought I was spiritual. That <laughs> was really just like, you know, doing good. And then you realize just how broken you are when <laughs> you when someone, you know, can really get into your world and um you respond in ways that you don't respond to coworkers or friends. You respond to your spouse and some of the broken things you really kinda comes to life. I think that was probably kind of most formative time mm. for the beginning of that formation journey of really realizing just the darkness of my heart, mm. and how much I needed
0: the Lord. Right on, thank you, Jordan. Were you raising your hand or stretching? Okay,
2: <laughs> <laughs> moving right along. Who else? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did I see anybody over here saying? Oh yeah, Val. No.
2: ended up having this more spiritual conversation, but it wasn't necessarily the conversation <coughs> itself. I just um there was a moment in the conversation where I felt like I was gonna have a panic attack and I I didn't want to well no one really wants to, but I felt like that was sort of shut down the conversation. And I just remember like telling myself like nothing's gonna stop me from being in this conversation and it just sort of went away. Um it was very very powerful experience for me then that conversation with that friend. Um, I don't know. It was a person, it was very special mm-hmm. time. I felt like really honored that she was
0: here with me. Right on. Thank you. One more. Duncan.
3: Um, really, it's, it's several conversations, but um, I think the, the one that sticks up the most is I was walking, and I think I told still, still the story before, but I, I was walking in for um, and this guy just randomly stopped me, and he ended up being like a white Rastafarian. So if you know anything about Rastafarians, that's weird because, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Not usually a white thing?
1: Yeah, well, no, there's, there
3: are racial tinges to Rastafarians uh-huh. that are anti-white. Uh-huh. But um, we had this, this long conversation, and it really broke a lot of my... Uh, a lot of my uh, walls, right? The, the things that I had set in my head of, of what is proper and what is improper, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like over and over again in my life God has done that. He sent people to challenge my preaching notions. Okay. Good.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, I asked my wife this question this week and got her permission to share what her Answers were um, with you so that, um, you know, I don't get in trouble or anything. Um, So I asked her and she said three things came to mind for her. Number one was the death of her dad. Number two was having babies. And number three was climbing a mountain. And she was thinking in particular about her way forward trip that she did summer before last or last summer, some, some summer recently. Uh, and she, I asked her, I said, what was it about those experiences that was formative to you? And she said, in each of those, I was brought to the end of myself. And that was part of what was spiritually formative for me. She was so deep. She needs to <laughs> preach more, man. Um, and that made me think about my own life. What's, what's spiritually formative for me? Way up there for me, is um, the early days, somewhere in the first two years of storyline, which is probably why I talk about it so much, because and it was the, the sense of perceived failure um, in particular that rocked my world in the early days of storyline. Forced me to get new categories, forced me to see myself and to see God in different ways. Um, isn't it interesting that the things that are spiritually formative to us... Um, you know, we, we don't necessarily, um, sometimes maybe it's true, we go and do something or we initiate something and experience spiritual formation through it, you know, through the rhythms of spiritual practice. But often when we talk about what's most spiritually formative, it's something that happens to us. It's something we receive. It's something we may not even have a choice. You know, like with Julie, the, the death of her father. You know, this is something she would never have chosen, right? And yet she's left to try to grapple with it and make sense. And in the meantime, it, it forms and, and shapes her in these really deep and meaningful ways. It reminded me of Richard Rohr, Richard Rohr quote that I, uh, I talked about before about how all transformation, all transformation happens in what he calls liminal space. It's the in-betweenness. It's it's the, the land in between um, familiarity A and familiarity B, where we're 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 disentangled from our illusions of control and from our sense of comfort. It's moving to another country and you know being jarred by the cultural difference. Um, it's conversations where we're jolted out of preconceived notions, right? And so here we are in this conversation about practices and spiritual practices and rhythms. And we're talking about uh, practicing what we preach and our values for for mission and for devotion, for formation, for community, for generosity. These things that we initiate as processes of spiritual formation. And yet there's this tension because most of our deep spiritual formation comes to us. We receive it. It happens to us. Right. Uh, And so what does that that mean? If if that's true, what's the point of practices if it kind of just happens to us? Uh, I would say, uh, the the way that I've been thinking about it this week, in in terms of practices, is that practices do a couple of things at least. Um, They help us prepare for those liminal kind of moments. Uh, They help us... Uh, be shaped in ways that, that open us in the right ways When we come into crisis Or we come into these major formative kinds of events They create mini-liminality Micro-liminality When, we, when we're creating space to be available to God um, And second, practices help us to respond to crisis I think part of the reason that, that the death of Julie's dad formed her for good is because she responded to her father's passing with some spiritual practice and some rhythms for, for self-care, for connecting to God that helped her to be formed for better instead of kind of devolving into bitterness or deep depression that was really hard or that she you know would never get out of or whatever. Um, shaping her in ways that were good and not harmful. Uh, that's an interesting tension as I've thought about formation and how reformed and how practices relate to that. Uh, and that brings us to our text for today. If you want to pull it up on your phone or, or open a paper Bible, this is Paul, go old school, right? Uh, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus and probably a bunch of other churches around Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. Um, And what I want to hone in on is verses 22 through 24, one of which I left out in the reading this morning. I I don't do many uh, uh, three-point sermons, and this is not really a three-point sermon. But it it was interesting, I kind of latched on to Paul has this three-pronged way, this three-step process for talking about formation into Christ-likeness. Uh, Step 1, verse 22 You were taught With regard to your former way of life To put off your old self Which is being corrupted By its deceitful desires So step 1 is this idea of putting off We take off the old self The stuff that's not good for us The ways of being that are harmful to us Um, Step 2 To be made new In the attitude of your minds Some versions say to be renewed In the attitude or the spirit of our minds. And then step three, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, step one, put off. Step two, uh, be renewed. Step three, put on. Uh, And you can see how this, this little section... In chapter 4, make sense of the stuff that's around it And the stuff that follows So, putting off the old self In the verses that follow, verse 24 um, And even, even some before Verse 19, he talks about this sense of uh, hypersensuality That that's related to the old self You know, basically it baptizes whatever desires I have And says those are automatically good Because I'm feeling them um, Whatever feels good is the metric uh, Verse 25 Falsehood, lying, false witness. Verse 26, sinning and anger, which uh, the assumption is there's a way not to sin when you feel angry. But also, there is a way to sin when you're angry. Later he talks about rage, fits of rage and anger. I never knew what those were until parenting. <laughs> Verse 27, Stealing. Verse 29, unwholesome talk. And this is not cuss words. This is destroying people with your words. This is tearing people down rather than building people up. Verse 31, bitterness, rage and anger, brawling, brawling. Hmm. I wonder how much brawling was going on in the Ephesian church. Slander and malice, having hate in your heart. And then he kind of shifts in the verses that follow to talk about the new self. All of those things were old self kind of categories. The new self, verse 32, has to do with kindness and compassion and forgiveness. Verse 1 in chapter 5, it has to do with love and the sacrifice of personal well-being for the good of others in the way Jesus did it. Uh, So, uh, step Step one, putting off the old self. Step, step three, putting on the new self. If it's just those two steps, you could kind of get the impression that spiritual formation is this you can do it kind of thing. You just need to do these two steps. Put it off and put it on. Okay, I'm new. Woo. You know, uh, go form yourself. <laughs> I'll leave you to wonder But sandwiched in between In between the first step And the last step Is this part that really caught my attention Be made new In the attitude Of your minds Or be renewed In the spirit of your minds it's also something that happens to us, if you will. It's something that we receive. It's not something we are the primary agent or actor in. It is something that God does. We don't renew ourselves. We are renewed. We receive renewal. We are made new. Uh, which is to contrast what Paul said earlier about the Gentiles. Which Let me just, let me just have a little Pauline digression over here on this. I have Lauren's words in my head this week as I'm listening to this text. You know, Lauren's kind of annoyed a couple of weeks ago as we're reading about you Gentiles this and you Gentiles that. I could kind of see Bobby Moynihan from SNL, like Drunk Uncle style. You know, I'd be like, immigrants, you know, Gentiles, you know, like... <laughs> You're like, Paul, are, are, could you other people more than talking about the Gentiles, you know? And maybe it didn't sound that way to the people he was writing to, but, you know, it kind of comes off a little bit like that. I couldn't help but to be distracted by that. And this is what Paul says about the Gentiles. Um, most, of, most of what the folks he's writing to uh, identify as. They are Gentiles. That was their former way of life. Uh, Notice a lot of these phrases have to do with the mind Futility of thinking Darkened understanding Ignorance And then he kind of moves south to the heart a little bit Hardening of hearts Insensitivity And deceitful desires All of these reasons are why The mind needs to be renewed Um, It's because without some help our, our thinking is futile. Our understanding is darkened. We can, we can just roam around uh, in darkness and in ignorance. We can be hardened to, to good, to love. Uh, you know, I'm lost without you kind of thing. Uh, this idea connects to some of what Paul says elsewhere. Like in his, Roman, his Romans letter, um, chapter 12, real famous verse. Don't conform to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And Romans 8 he talks about how the difference between the mind that's governed by the flesh, which is code for him for like the broken selfish part of us. Um, the mind that's governed by the flesh is death. The mind that's governed by the spirit is life. Uh, this is a really important theme for Paul. Colossians 3, Galatians 5, and this is like a parallel to so many other parts. This is like basic training for him when he's writing to new Christians in new places. And at the heart of it, he has this sense that the mind is like a gateway to right action. If your mind is right, if your mind is formed, well, then, then actions follow. And the heart is in there, too. The hardening of hearts and sensitivity. Um, But something about the interior shapes the way we live and function in the world. And it's not, get your mind right, church. It is, let God get your mind right. I like the analogy of uh, the rowboat versus the sailboat. That... uh, uh, a, a common way of talking or thinking below the surface about spiritual formation is that spiritual practices are kind of like a rowboat. You get in the rowboat, and the goal of Christian life is to get across the water or whatever to the, the other side. You know, I didn't, think, I haven't thought, really thought this through, but like in there at Crystal Lake in Revelation, you know, like on the on the other side, there's hymns about getting across the lake, and there's heaven over there and the pearly gates and stuff. Yeah, let's go with that. So spiritual practices are like a rowboat, and we're, we're rowing, and that is what's creating the motion that's getting across this lake. Man, we are trying, we're rowing, we get tired sometimes, the oar falls out. But at the heart of it is this it's, it's our strength and power that kind of gets us across the lake in spiritual formation. Versus the sailboat, which um, rather than rowing, the primary action is raising the sails. Yeah, uh, we got to catch the wind, the wind of God, the wind of the spirit. It's it's strength that comes from outside of ourselves. But there's still something for us to do to participate in that. Uh, we get to help steer. We get to hoist the sails. And you guys can tell me all the technical language for that. You sailors back there. Uh, uh, and I hope this is the most horrible metaphor because, you know, more about sailing than I do. But it makes sense to me, right? Instead of rolling, and sometimes you roll and you sail, sure. But the primary action is this act of dependence. We're catching the wind, and that's what move, moves us along. We're making ourselves available to strength outside of ourselves. Um, so which raises a question. If we get to this idea about... Um, Having our minds renewed, if that's the heart of spiritual formation, if that's how we put off the old self and put on the new self by kind of receiving this renewal that comes from God and God's Spirit, how do we do that? How do we, re- seriously, I'm asking you guys, how do we do that? How do we raise the sales? How do we participate in a way that makes space for God to renew our minds so that we can grow and be more like God? it's already pretty muddy so go right on yeah Um, go right ahead
3: I think sitting with our weeds right like sitting with um, our need of a gardener to come and pick our weeds instead of um, feeling like um, we have to clean the garden up it's our job just to sit and be aware that we have Um, and I think prayer brings us to that, a sense of the largest of the world and the smallness of self. I think quiet brings that. I think community, community brings that. Um, that we have need of
0: others. We have need uh, of the community. So, so at the heart of what you're saying, it was your phrase, sit with our weeds? Is mm-hmm. that kind of the, the points of need or brokenness mm-hmm. that makes us aware of our need for, for help. Okay, right on. Thanks, Duncan. Yes, ma'am.
2: Uh, uh, I feel like, uh, like you use the word aware. I feel like the word uh, awareness and the idea of slowing down and paying attention versus you know the the horse blinders you know that keep us uh, focused on our, our agendas and our tasks and our things to be done and our next you know our next meeting and our. Um, <coughs> That, um, that us removing those blinders and paying attention not only to our own selves but the world around us and slowing down so that we um, are available to respond as we are paying attention feels like the same thing as we the sales mm. um, the jig Jib. Jib. the jig the jig <laughs> Did that just backfire on you then? Yeah, that there there feels like something parallel to uh, being attentive and slowing down mm-hmm. um, and you know
0: being available for that <coughs> That's good. Melinda? Right. That sounds like humility. Yeah. To kind of hold, you know, I'm limited. I'm going to hold what I believe loosely enough to be affected or changed by what I experience. Um, yeah. Thank you. That's good, Sharon.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's really good. Community uh, has a big impact. Um, listening to God with others and having others rub off on us and vice versa. Yeah. Am I hearing you right? Yep. Beth and then Bonnie? Um, for me, I
2: was raised in such a way to that even though I like, I basically
0: That. can I have an allergic reaction to yeah. any kind of doing yeah. yeah and that that seems normal given the, given your context and and the culture that you're talking about like that seems like a really natural reaction
1: mm-hmm. yeah I Bonnie I
2: thinking about the metaphor and the row you're in soul where you're headed and you are at the end of the side but when you sales, and you bring it to you immediately lose a lot of that control. Yeah. And you might... Thank you, sailors, for
0: flushing this metaphor out for a little bit. It's good. <laughs> and you have to kind of lean in. Yeah. Sometimes physically and psychologically, mm-hmm.
2: you yeah. have to lean in to whichever way you're taking it. Yeah. And you might end up in a different place than you can see on the spot, but... Very good.
0: Val. As you were like talking, especially talking so much about the
2: mind, like I was kind of like thinking about like physical brain, like our actual brain, and I was thinking about like the process of going through like therapy, and like the cool thing about your brain is it's really malleable, like it can change. But it requires a like like a cognitive behavioral therapy to, you like come to realize like basically the old way of how you went about things in your brain and then you work to learn a new way. And the cool thing is is that like in like in your actual brain it physically changes like by yep. doing these practices, right? And to yep. me it's almost like maintaining of like flexibility right like I'm not like rigid in like like the dogma of the practices or the legalism of it mm-hmm. but I maintain this sort of openness and flexibility while well, I'm still working right I'm still doing something but like like I just I love that because to me it's just like God's like predictive power right mm-hmm. like, he's actually changing how this physically looks Yeah. Like, I'm putting my old self off. I'm getting into self on, but he's there bringing about the actual transformation.
0: Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's so amazing Like, it's so amazing. Yeah. Now, that, that is fascinating to think about. Um, and I'm, you're helping me connect the dots that this renewing of our... And I, I, don't, I don't know if Paul... Paul was not trauma-informed necessarily, didn't have that lens, you know. But, but how the renewing of our minds is not just... Uh, spiritual and cognitive. It's also physical. Like our our brains are physically changing. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, Ben.
1: Uh, along the lines of, sort of the necessary humility, holding loosely, hoping that you know, or experience of leading in and trusting for the wind saving, I, I think one of the things I'm struggling with and trying to learn is in my attempts to hold things loosely, I hold nothing. Mm. Uh, or to continue the sailing metaphor, which I'm very familiar with. Um, <laughs> in, 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 in sort of this, this uncertainty or veiled humility, I'm like, I'm not even going to go to the sail because I don't know about any of the directions. Mm. That there's something valuable, especially thinking about it in the community, to be able to say, like, I don't know I'm not sure, but this is where I stand today. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, just, I'm thinking about the words courage and vulnerability to even hold it loosely, but still to say, this is where I'm at. Yep. It change tomorrow, but yep. this is where I'm at.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good tension. On one hand, the humility part on one hand, and, and the courage of conviction on the other, even in the midst of uncertainty. Yeah. yeah. Sarah? I am just
2: thinking that some of the things choose at the beginning, but then I get deeper into them, and I realize, like, oh, crap, this is awful, like, uh, we wanted four kids, and then we had twins, and I was like, oh, no, oh, no, uh, everything's on fire, you know, and it's like, the things that take you to the end of yourself are sometimes the things that you start to choose, and, like, that's the hmm. thing that you're not doing physical disciplines, but, like. Choosing to say yes to God to adopt or to continue on a difficult path, that's the spiritual discipline. And then God starts to open things up in front of you, and it's like you know, He takes kind of our openness and uses it like in the low sufficient situation, and He multiplies it mm-hmm. and does what He wants to do with mm-hmm. that situation. And so, like, any openness that we give is like multiplied by God. We don't have to have all the courage to do the hardest thing, and then God
1: blesses that. He
2: blesses the tiniest bit of the openness that mm. we have. Yeah.
1: Well said. Yeah, Jin.
2: Okay, so, um, like with the, the doors closing or the, you know, what, how do you think things are supposed to be? Like, we're rowing, you know, we're like, okay, there's a horizon, and that's where I'm headed, and I mean, there's the straight and narrow, and this is one route, and this is how we get there, but like, Failing, like you have to tack, like you have, like that's your goal. You're going this way, and then you're going that. Did way. you say tack?
0: That's another like fail Failed, word. Right? Okay. You're okay. okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: you know,
2: like you've got that goal in mind, but the wind is, you know, like you have to go this way, but then you have to go that way, and so like you're, you're kind of, it's kind of gray. You're like never going the right way.
0: Yeah, very good. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for... You guys have... Uh, you all have uh, preached the sermon in large part this morning um, from your experiences, which I, I think it's, it's always better when that, when that happens. Um, the other good news is that um, I, I still have a sermon left in what I have planned. And so we'll just save that for later. I wanted to spend some time... Um, Talking about shame and how shame and confronting our shame, especially those of us who are reared in a conservative religious environment, um, how we we have to work through our shame around religiosity and spiritual practices and disciplines and uh, working through that shame is a way that the Holy Spirit renews our mind. I've been reading this great book on shame that somebody really nice recommended it to me. Um, and so we'll just, we'll hold that because uh, this was worth it. We'll hold that for another, another conversation coming up. But for now, uh, hear the good news. God is renewing our minds. God is over time through a process making us more like Jesus. God is freeing us from shame. And we are not alone. God has given us each other. We're in this together. Can you believe it? Can you receive it? Will you participate in it? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit that lives within this community that you've graced us with. For the Holy Spirit who lives within each of us. Um, thank you for the way you make us uh, a temple individually and collectively of your holy spirit and thank you that you don't leave us to ourselves to to row and to try harder at becoming more like you and more like jesus thank you for giving us your indwelling spirit to strengthen us to sustain us to to form us and shape us to be people of love and sacrifice and care and justice and mercy in this world that you're at work in. God, would you bless my brothers and sisters uh, and all of us as we seek to open ourselves to be formed by you for the good of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.